In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. You know, people ask me, they ask me, uh, uh, Craig, how do you rank those movies? Well, I got a little man, a little man who lives inside my chest who tells me where to rank those movies. I see the movie and immediately I know, ooh, that's number 77. Uh, you know, and I, I've, I've ranked movies by all sorts of classification. I've ranked movies by, uh, by length. I rank movies by, uh, by genre, by, uh, by star, uh, by, 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 uh, rating, uh, if you've ever looked over an actual aerial table uh, in your day, you know which way to put a movie and which way, way to rank it. Um, God damn it. That's all, that's all, that's all I'm going to do for right now. Good job. Uh, that's me trying to be Edward G. Robinson <laughs> as Barton Keys. Hello, Craig's listeners. Uh, this is episode 60 and number 41 on Craig's List. Say hi, Carla. Hi, guys. Hi, Carla. And uh, this is the day after Christmas that we're recording Merry this. Merry Christmas, everyone. Not sure when this is dropping, but sometime in early January 2018. Mm-hmm. And I am still in Portland, Oregon. You are for five more days, six more days. For six more days. This is Carla's town that she is <laughs> taking by storm. For three months. Yeah. And we actually had a white Christmas. We did. It looks yeah. like a winter wonderland out there. It's, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Very and, lucky. And cold. But I'm uh, excited to go back to uh, Los Angeles. So you keep saying. I wonder why. <laughs> Are you well, sick of your wife? No, not at all. I'm just looking forward <laughs> to warmer weather. Um, but we're in the middle of a five-run Film noir run on Craigslist that it's been we, are, a lot we already of film noir. kind of talked about. That Carla, I believe, is exhausted by noir <laughs> at this point. Too much murder and venality and moral. It's a really um, good word. Venality. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Moral ambiguity <laughs> and dark. It's very, very dark. Um, Literally. But uh, we're going to cover the movie today. Uh, that is maybe considered to be not just a film noir, but the ultimate film noir. This mm-hmm. movie came out in 1944, and it was directed by Billy Wilder, co-written by Billy Wilder and Raymond Chandler. Oh, I didn't know Billy Wilder directed this. Yeah, he sure did. Well, well, we'll get into that. Okay. Uh, and it stars Fred McMurray, uh, Barbara Stanwyck, and the aforementioned Edward G. Robinson. But to help us do that today, we have a guest, and she is a Portlander. And she's also the youngest person that we've had as a guest so far. And her name is Eliza. Hello. (laughs) Eliza, you are how old? I'm 12, but I'm turning 13 in four days. (laughs) She's going to be 13 in four days. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. This is our gift to you is uh, a little guest spot. Is it it a a good gift? I mean, it's not like a, you know, a horse or a pony. First podcast appearance? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Um, and we met you, uh, earlier this year on the Joko cruise, uh, which is a, a, a cruise that Jonathan Colton, the wonderful musician, uh, singer, songwriter, um, puts on and it's, uh, it really, it hits a lot of nerdy, <laughs> uh, areas if you guys are <laughs> unfamiliar with it. Uh, so there's comedy, there's music, there's board games, there's role playing games, uh, what sort of things did you do uh, on the Joko cruise, Eliza? Kind of just everything. Um, enjoy the weather as a break from dreary Portland <laughs> winter. Because um, <laughs> we went down to Mexico and it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, just hanging out with like other people in the same sort of nerdy mindset. Um, <laughs> yeah, like just doing board games and reading comics and just kind of participating in everything. And you did cosplay too, right? Uh, kind of? Kind of, just little bits and pieces, like a Marvel hat or like a pocket belt or something like that. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> and you came to see uh, Orange Tuxedo, right? Which is Carla and uh, I's uh, improv duo. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and we did a little Q&A afterwards, and you asked us a very perceptive question. 
I don't remember what it was. Just that it was. <laughs> I don't remember it either. <laughs> so. But it made yeah. a good impression it, on us, ladies and gentlemen. It was so freaking perceptive <laughs> that none of us remember it at all. Um, but uh, but I'm like that's that's a good question, and uh, I realized that you were probably a young person, but I did not know you were 12 years old. You know, <laughs> yeah. and so that that was really that was cool that you came to see our show, and the cool that you enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, actually, um, my mom who like. Uh, had like a thing she needed to go to and so my dad and I were like huh like let's look at what's going on today and we saw like orange tuxedo and it was in this room that we really liked that was all like like orange and retro and we're like that's, that's cool it's in that room and we have no idea what it could possibly be because it just says orange tuxedo so we went there and we actually had like an amazing time Yay! that's so nice and we also did – did you come to the Craigslist taping as well? Yeah, because that was later and I was uh, I was like, wow, like this – that was – Orange Tuxedo was awesome. And so I decided to go to that a couple of days later. <laughs> That's right. What else are those people up to? <laughs> uh, yeah, we did a live uh, podcast with Janet Vardy where we talked about uh, Dead Poet Society. Correct. I almost said Dead Pilot Society, That's which is a, a podcast. Um so, uh, yeah, we, we knew that you are a, a big movie buff. And, uh, we thought while we're here in town in, in Portland, we're having your parents on for another episode. Yes. And her parents are in the next room, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably it's ears been... pressed to the door. <laughs> <laughs> it's been okayed by the parents who yeah. asked parent yes. permission. <laughs> yes, this is all, this is all on the up and up. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just clarifying. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good to clarify. We have we have not kidnapped this young girl to, just to do our podcast. To podcast, yeah, that would be that would be weird. Um, so uh, what 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 are your tastes in general with uh, with movies uh, or or TV? What kind of stuff are you into, or do you like a broad range of stuff? Uh, pretty much a broad range. Uh, I like uh, I like comedies. But, um, usually comedies that like have another element. So like a sci-fi comedy or a fantasy comedy. Um, yeah, I'm not, I don't like especially love like mystery or thriller. Like I do like those movies a lot, but, uh, I, yeah, I prefer more like, um, fantastical or kind of like romance comedy. Yeah. What were some of your favorite things you've seen this year? Oh, for the first time I watched Heathers and then I watched it literally nine more times. (laughs) So in the span of like two weeks and showed everybody I knew. Uh, so that was me too. Yeah. That came out when I was in college and that was a big college movie for me. It's not on my top 100 because I've seen a lot of movies. Uh, but that was, uh, I I just rewatched it a few months ago. I love that movie too. Yeah, yeah. It still holds up really well. It does, yeah. And yeah. That, that's a dark, dark comedy. <laughs> yeah, but it was just so good. And then I found the musical and I really liked that. Mm. There's that Heather's musical that's amazingly really, really good. Is that um, running on Broadway now? Or? No, it's closed. All oh. the musicals I seem to like are not <laughs> running anymore. Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I also liked, um, I don't know. Um, I started watching Riverdale. I really like Riverdale. Oh, a Archie lot. and Veronica. Yes. Yeah, I've heard that's cool. Yeah. Um, I know. I think we need to start watching that again. We tried it once. I think we tried the pilot, <laughs> and that that was it. And we're really snobby, yeah. so the, if, the, if the pilot doesn't hit the, us, the pilot is it gets a lot darker. Like I have literally just started crying because it was so dark. Like. <laughs> in the middle of the night watching it. So Did you read the comics? Um no, I did not. I but I'm like trying to find comics to read uh that are Archie so I can catch up. Yeah. Well, that's the cool thing because it's like the ultimate like uh kind of bland vanilla, you know, 50s. I don't I'm not sure when it debuted, probably the 50s or 60s when Archie first started. But, you know, turning it into like a modern day kind of dark noir-y uh, yeah. high school yeah. TV show. That's a great idea. Um, now, so your dad is a film critic. So has he made you watch a lot of old movies? Definitely. <laughs> um, I mean, like, and I, I don't dislike it. Like when I was little, I probably complained. But I'm actually really grateful because now I have like such 
a love for uh yeah like old black and white movies and we went to a silent film festival a couple years ago and that was really cool uh so like charlie chaplin buster keaton uh, stuff or we only watched a few that my dad was assigned to uh because you're only there for like a couple days yeah um let's see we saw uh I don't remember. It was one that had like train in the title. But I don't remember <laughs> it specifically. The Great uh, Train Robbery? No. It, it, the main character was this like a uh, woman who like was running away from the police and on, on a train and she pretended to be a guy. Yeah. I don't know. I liked it. And the other <laughs> one was um Woman of the World, I think was the name. And that was also really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Silent movies have their own completely different language, you know. Uh, a visual language, if you, if you will. <laughs> you almost have to train Wait, your Wait, are brain. you sure you're not a film critic? Um, <laughs> I, I'm an amateur one. I mean, I have a podcast where I talk about movies, so. Um, oh, I should listen to it. <laughs> you, you won't like it. <laughs> uh, so you've seen a fair amount of old black and white. Yeah. Uh, has it made you watch foreign films too? Um, some, uh, not a whole lot, though. I mean, a reg, a bit more than the regular amount. Yeah, <laughs> that would be normal for a twelve-year-old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're also sitting in your screening room, which is amazing. It's really yeah, cool. it's ri- very cool. Yeah, I definitely appreciate it. Yeah. Do you watch most TV and movies here in this room? Yeah, uh, unless. Mom and I want to watch something. We just watch it upstairs because it's easier and we don't want to mess up the yeah. theater. Uh, it's but man cave. It's, it's definitely, uh, <laughs> nice, you know, like to have like Oscar screenings, like parties yeah. and, uh, like having the Xbox set, set up down here is pretty cool too. <laughs> so you play games in here too? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are the games you play knowing that I will not understand anything about video games i'm not like a i'm not a huge video gamer i just play this uh this cool futuristic very colorful kind of first person shooter game called overwatch okay and then uh minecraft and then um uh battlefront which is like a star wars one um and actually uh for christmas i got battlefront 2 so i was playing that yesterday and today all right Uh, and that's pretty much it so i'm not are you a star wars fan yeah definitely definitely so you've seen all the star wars movies definitely more than (laughs) once (laughs) what did you think of last jedi uh i i liked it a lot but i'm uh, very much a a sucker for movies um (laughs) so like any it could have been different and i would have still loved it <laughs> but um i i did i did like it a lot yeah we too. we saw it at the baghdad which is in your neighborhood you ever go to see movies there yeah uh not a whole lot because it you can't go just with your friends that's right it's 21 just... and over unless you're with your parent right yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. we like it because we have beer uh, we, we get beer and burgers and sit in the balcony right. there. But we saw Last Jedi there and not on opening day, but on opening weekend and yes, totally packed. Like we got in line an mm-hmm. hour before. And even then we were among the last people in the theater. Like Carla, uh, managed to commandeer us some seats in the balcony while, while I waited like 45 minutes for two beers and two yeah, burgers. Worth it. It was, was that a question mark or was that an exclamation point? No, it was exclamation. Okay, yeah. And like that's the movie to see with a full crowd on opening weekend, I think, because everybody was yeah. so excited. Then there was like an immediate backlash, uh, which I think is unfair. Yeah. I think there were problems with it, but particularly like the last 45 minutes – Felt like nothing but payoffs. Like they paid off everything it, that they had set up. It and- was it was pretty amazing. Uh, there, um, I I saw it at a uh, Lloyd Theater, I think, um, on opening day, and <laughs> I may have gotten pulled out of school a half hour early. <laughs> <laughs> and like every teacher I passed was like, I, I was like, "Where are you going?" I was like, "Oh, like I'm going home for like a thing." And they're like, "You're seeing Star Wars, aren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. Um, but yeah, I saw it and, uh, there, 
even at Lloyd Theater, there were like a lot of applause at every moment, and it it felt amazing. And then a few days later, or just a couple days later, I went to Florida, and then I saw it again there with some family, <laughs> uh, with my grandparents, and、uh, there was like no applause at all. Aww, it weird. Was, it was really weird. <laughs> I was glad that I had seen it with applause first. Yeah,、yes. there's something really nice about having that. Uh, shared experience with everyone around you,、yeah. feeling the same things you're feeling. Yeah, that happened、uh, with Wonder Woman too. Yeah, there was a lot of applause. Did you like Wonder Woman? Yeah, definitely. Me too. The woman who plays Rose, Kelly Marie Tran, was an improv student of mine in Los Angeles, and she was taking my level four class at I O West a couple years ago. And halfway through the class, like week four of eight. Um, I got an email from her of like, sorry, some things have come up, and I'm not able to finish the class. <laughs> and now I know, like, that's what happened. Oh got, my god! She got cast in a Star Wars movie, you know, but <laughs> like, she wasn't allowed to tell anyone, and, and that, not、yeah. as like a droid as one of <laughs> as a the, major character. Yeah, yeah, like probably the most major like of the new characters. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. So Kelly, if you're listening, congratulations. Kelly, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get into double indemnity, shall we? Let's do it. Carla, had you seen this movie before? I had never seen double indemnity.、Before. Really, not even parts of it. I don't think so.、Hmm. I think I thought I had, but I did not when we started watching it. I feel like this is one of those movies that maybe when we were first dating, I made you watch, but you fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I have a feeling there were lots of those. <laughs> Your feelings are、oh, correct, Eliza. Burn, Eliza. <laughs> You got me. You got me there. Sick burn. <laughs> and you think, Eliza, you'd seen it before, like when you were a little、um, kid. I'm pretty sure, yeah, that、uh, I saw it in the time of no memory when I was just, <laughs> which is very surprising that my parents would have shown me that movie when I was a little kid. Yeah. With probably just the comfort that I would never remember it. <laughs>、um, you said you remember seeing a movie about insurance and murder. Yes. It, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Those are the memorable、uh, parts. Yes,、um, and that's that's the best description of this movie.、Uh, hashtag insurance. Hashtag murder. <laughs> you know,、uh, double indemnity.、Uh, it. This is kind of like the height of、uh, of film noir.、Um, you know, which are. I don't know if there's a good、uh, definition for it, but it's usually movies that are from the point of view of the criminal. First of all, which is kind of a difference from following the detective who's trying yeah, to solve yeah. the crime. Yeah, yeah. My my mom gave me a pretty good description. Please.、Uh, it was、um, yeah, like you said, like a moral am am. Ambiguity. Yeah. It.、Um, and like、uh, the main character,、um, uh, yeah, like being at fault. And there's a moment where you know the character, the main character, is just like. Not gonna get a happy ending. Yeah, like it's just not gonna work out for that main character, and、uh, there being the、uh, female main character who you change your mind about a lot. Yeah, that is another important factor. I think that's, that's way more information than I had. <laughs> Even after watching five in a row, <laughs> you very communicated that very clearly. How would you、good. describe film noir, Carla? Oh, you know, like a lot of shadows. <laughs> also very、smoke. accurate. Yeah, <laughs> everyone yeah, smokes in in these movies, and everybody's sweating a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cinematography is important.、Um, The cinematographer on this movie. Do you remember who it was, Eliza? Because I got to look it up. Oh, that's your job, Eliza.、Uh, no, it's no, it's not, not your job at all. I have a terrible memory. <laughs> I, that's why I have a page of very, very strange me being tired notes in front of me. Uh, uh, John F. Seitz, of course. Of course.、Uh, how could you forget that? John F. Seitz was the.、Uh, Were you talking to yourself? How could you forget that?、Craig? No, I was talking to Eliza. Oh, come on. Her.、Um, but, <laughs> Uh, one of his innovations was Venetian, Venetian blind、uh, shots. So, so you're going to say Benicio del Toro? Benicio del Toro <laughs> in Last Jedi. He was the inspiration for that stuttering character. No,、um, there's a lot of shots、uh, of lighting the characters through Venetian blinds, which resembles prison bars. And so that's wow. So it's a little like foreshadowing of like the these these folks are not going to get away. That's a lot of、crime. thought coming into blinds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>、uh, so the movie revolves around、uh, Walter Neff, 
who is a hotshot insurance agent <laughs> played by Fred McMurray. Yeah, very common main character, definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, very recognizable right away. Uh, and it occurred to me of like the 1940s, like insurance is a relatively new business. Uh, and then I was thinking that too. Yeah. Yeah. And then insurance fraud is a fairly new thing, you know, which is like, this is how humankind works of like, you invent a new thing and people immediately find ways to make money out of it and to cheat the system. Right. So I I do feel like there are a fair amount of detective stories or film noirs or around this time that revolve around insurance Mm -hmm. fraud. Um, this is based on a, a real life murder of oh, a, really? uh, a, a wife and her boyfriend conspired to murder the, uh, the husband. Well, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, that, that happened in the twenties apparently. Wow. And this inspired the novelist James N. M. Kane to write a, uh, a serialized, uh, story based on it. Uh, I believe in the twenties or maybe the thirties where Kane wrote, uh, where his version of Double Indemnity. He also is famous for writing The Postman Always Rings Twice, which has a very similar plot. Mm. And that's been adapted many times. That's as well. the one I've seen. You've seen Postman Always, yep. Always Rings Twice. The remake or the original? The original, I think. The original is John Garfield and Lana Turner. Yes, Lana Turner. Yeah. And then the remake is uh, Jessica Lange and Jack Nicholson. You made me watch that other one, the the original. (laughs) You made me watch it. You made me. No, I liked it, I think. Uh, and so he, uh, is going to see about a routine auto insurance policy (laughs) at this mansion in Los Angeles and then meets a woman, uh, Phyllis Diedrichson. Uh, played by Barbara Stanwyck, who is the classic femme fatale, uh, the dangerous woman that you don't want to get involved in. Right. And slowly but surely, not even that slowly, really, quickly but surely, <laughs> yeah. they fall in lust. And, uh, she has him helping her, uh, helping her murder her husband. Yeah, uh, one of my notes, one of my first notes on here is, uh, underlined anklet fetish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. there's a shot of her coming down the staircase and it zooms in on her anklet yeah. and he keeps uh it, there's later mentioned like ten times. <laughs> yes, he keeps mentioning it in the narration. Yeah. I guess narration by the lead character is also kind of a hallmark of uh mm-hmm. film noir. Yes, uh when from the, like the beginning uh like scene to the um to just the narration throughout the whole movie. It reminded me a lot of Sunset Boulevard. Mm. Oh, yeah. You've seen that, too. Yeah, that's yeah, another Billy Wilder movie. a couple Wilder years movie. ago. I don't remember it super well, yeah. but I definitely saw the similarity. We'll be covering that soon uh, on Craigslist. Spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, but that's another Billy Wilder movie six years later. Uh, also very film noir. Also narrated by the lead character. In the case of Sunset Boulevard... It's narrated by the lead character who is dead already. <laughs> the opening yeah, shot. Yeah, it's kind of like it's that theme of uh, the main character like giving away the ending and then seeing it play out. Yes, which is cool and different. <laughs> and of course, it's been done many times since then. But I think it was pretty revolutionary when Double Indemnity did it in 1944. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred McMurray's character is not dead at the beginning of the movie, but he's damn close to it. He's, he's wounded mm-hmm. and he's talking into a dictaphone and kind of recounting, uh, all the events that led up to the situation that he's in now. And this is for his friend Barton Keys, who is his boss at the insurance agency, played by Edward G. Robinson. Uh, the guy who, uh, who I was playing at the beginning. Uh, Are you sure? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Edward G. Robinson, of course, was famous for all the gangster movies he did in the 30s, you know, just like he was a tough guy, see? Mm-hmm. And so this is him kind of segueing uh, in from being the lead guy in gangster movies to more of like a character actor in, in other movies. And he's really wonderful in it, I think. It's a great character because Fred McMurray knows in order to get away with this murder, he has to fool Barton Keys. And so he's taking all these extraordinary steps to make sure that he's committed the perfect murder. And of course, he still cannot get away with it. Mm. Yeah. It's another note is just an all caps intricate plan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it is. Yes. He really does. uh, That. mm, I want to say this. It, It does all happen very fast. Like, he falls in love with her very quickly. He jumps to the conclusion of murder very quickly. <laughs> yeah. He has an intricate plan very quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
so- something that like is really scary and uh I haven't seen a whole lot of film noir but I'm guessing it's a th- uh, it's a theme is that like it's just this like regular insurance guy and he kind of unlocks this sort of psychopath that's been waiting inside of him this whole time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean he's he's seen it. He's seen people cheat the system, mm-hmm. you know, but he he thinks he knows better. You know, he thinks he's smart enough to get away with it. And that's what I really like about Fred McMurray's performance is ultimately he's kind of dumb and falling for this woman and being played by her. But he, it's similar to the William Hurt character in Body Heat that we'll be covering in a couple of weeks. Uh, and that he's really kind of arrogant and thinking he can get away with it. And he's very kind of slick and fast talking. Speaking of fast talking, I mean, that's one of the most notable things about this movie is mm-hmm. how like ridiculously hard boiled the dialogue is. And it's very easy to parody. We've done a parody of it on Thrilling Adventure Hour with Paul and Paget mm-hmm. in the episodes where we have the character Pterodactyl Jones. It's pretty much a direct parody of Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck in uh, Double Indemnity because mm-hmm. it's all these, all this flirtation and double entendre and rapid fire dialogue. And it's so entertaining to watch. It is. Yeah. Really the fun. whole like supposedly conversation that they had yeah. that I made it. Suppose I gave you about. a ticket. Yeah. Suppose you were going too fast. <laughs> yeah. Suppose I told you to pull over. I loved that. Yeah. The dialogue I, is great. Yeah. I wrote flirting on point. <laughs> <laughs> I was very, very tired and it was like either the day before Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve. And I was just like, uh, just want to go to Christmas. Oh, and she had to watch your movie. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up enjoying it a lot. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Uh, well, why don't we go chronologically through the movie a bit with a segment that we like to call Carla's Quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's Quotes. We should do Eliza's Quotes, too. These are better <laughs> Did you have that. quotes during the movie? I mean, all no, of the things she said. I mean, I only said one thing throughout the movie, and that was just at the ending. I just said, wow. <laughs> it's, it's literally... <laughs> there you are. There's Eliza's Quotes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I think the opening titles are kind of cool because, uh, for, you've got an image of a, a man in crutches over the opening titles. It's very unusual to see anything other than just like the studio and the director and the stars and everything. It, it's weird to like in this day and age, uh, in, in the forties to put an image over that. And I, I just, I really like that. It's cool foreshadowing too. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, at the beginning, uh, you see a car kind of tearing through Los Angeles. You're not sure what's going on. It goes through a stop sign. Carla says, yikes, it said stop. <laughs> he didn't care. Uh, 1944. Uh, you must have asked me what year this was. Uh, or maybe it must have said it in the opening titles, I think, 1944. And Carla said, oh, boy, that's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Already, <laughs> already dreading watching an old time movie. Yeah, <laughs> did you feel that way too? A little bit, uh, kind of, but only in the way that I was just like, just wanted to go upstairs and watch Netflix because I was tired. <laughs> but, you know, I first saw this when I was not that much older than you. I definitely saw it when I was a teenager. Maybe I was fifteen or sixteen. Watched it with my friend Andrew. You know, when we were on a run of watching all these old movies. I believe I saw it the same day that I saw Strangers on a Train. Oh, wow. Or maybe I just kind of conflate those movies in my mind because I think I mentioned there's a similar plot point of a witness on the train mm-hmm. uh, who is drunk. Uh, in, in the case of Strangers on a Train, it's Guy hoping to get validated with like, there was this guy. He saw me on the train. In this case, it's Fred McMurray trying to convince the guy that uh, he wasn't the guy that he saw on the train. The guy from Medford, Oregon, by the way, who he keeps mentioning that. Yes, like, I'm I, a Medford man. Yeah, I, I was just like, cool. <laughs> so I, I definitely saw those movies, if not the same day, around the same time. And I actually think I was spoiled by watching this movie because it, it's – not that there aren't a lot of great classics from the 40s, but this is so much better than most movies mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. time. Like, it feels very modern in its, uh, just depiction of relationships. It feels very modern in that it's, 
it's really kind of dark and evil and venal, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and that it was kind of revol- revolutionary in, in that way and, and still very entertaining, I think. Yes. There's a lot of movies from the forties that are boring as hell, <laughs> you know, uh, or just very, you know, there's good parts in them, but you know, it, it, they don't translate to the present day. To, to be fair, there are a lot of movies like that now too. <laughs> very You're good right. Point. Yeah, I think it's less that it was 1940. I like old movies. I, I like a lot of old movies, but I think that sometimes there is that initial hump you have to get over of like, okay, I have to change my mindset for a second and go back in time. Yeah. And like listen to how people used to speak <laughs> and just be patient with that process. Yes. In a way that my modern brain is like, just wants to be fed things easily, you know? So that's what I was saying. Not that I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> uh, Right away, it's very dark. You know, the, the lighting is very dark all throughout. And Carla said, I can't see anything in this movie, <laughs> which is Carla's assessment of film noir in general. Actually, we're in a very film noir type setting right now. Yeah, the lights are dimmed in the screening room. There's, uh, there's stars on the ceiling. It's very nice. Uh, there's a running thing throughout the movie of... Fred McMurray lighting Edward G. Robinson's uh, cigar or cigarette for him. And he, and he does it just by taking out a match and flicking it with his thumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of similar to that thing in Taxi Driver where uh, Albert Brooks was talking about seeing the guy, or Sybil Shepherd's talking about seeing the guy on the street. Oh, yeah. Who could light, light a match and a cigarette with one hand. Carla said, whoa, he just lit a match with one hand. Superpowers. That was, <laughs> that was your Superpowers. That's a better way to say that. <laughs> Uh, But that bit does pay (laughs) off at the end, which we will get to. Um, When I saw this movie, Fred McMurray was known to me uh, as the star of My Three Sons, which was a sitcom that ran in the 50s and 60s. And, but it was on reruns all the time when I was growing up. And it was kind of the, the classic, like, along with like Leave it to Beaver and, uh, the Donna Reed show, uh, like this, Classic depiction of just like mundane middle America suburban. That's where I know him from. Life. I knew I knew it was some sort of so I knew television him as, show as the dad from My Three Sons. He also was in a bunch of Disney movies, uh, like Flubber or The Absent Minded Professor, which introduced Flubber and the Shaggy Dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the original Shaggy Dog. So, uh, he but. He had a run of doing these other types of roles earlier in his career. So it was really kind of interesting for me to see this guy new from a sitcom yeah. in this role. And then Billy Wilder, of course, would use him again as uh, the boss in the apartment who's mm-hmm. having an affair with uh, with Shirley MacLaine. Uh, but he's really good. Every movie and show you just mentioned I have not seen. <laughs> <laughs> but you stayed awake the whole time. <laughs> I have never fallen asleep during a movie in my life. You haven't? Or a TV show. Really? Wow. I'm incapable of it. You're so <laughs> You're lucky. Incapable. It's apparently just not a thing that happens. <laughs> You're so lucky. What about you, Carla? I think I fall asleep in every movie and TV <laughs> I, show. I um I almost fell asleep during one movie actually. Um it was, uh, oh, I forget. It was this, um, documentary and it was about libraries and my dad <laughs> needed to watch it. So my mom and dad were watching it behind me and cause those are their chairs. And I was just like almost asleep because it was this director who did really like just silent, just like Frederick Wiseman, right? I, I wouldn't be able to yeah. tell, um, but like <laughs> that just did shots of just like books. Just like moving on a cart or just like, just really just like, like apparently showing how humanity is so slow or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. A four hour documentary about libraries. I think uh, you're allowed to fall asleep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I Um, fell asleep. Just you describing it. (laughs) I I believe that's Wiseman. I think who did, uh, did he do salesman in the sixties? What are you talking about? I don't know, but (laughs) he's known for documentaries that just kind of like cover a, a segment of life with, without comment. Like he just, he just, yeah, no voiceover, just, there's no context or anything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But you didn't fall asleep. I did not. Good for you. I was unable to as usual. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just love his opening voiceover where he's talking to, it's not a voiceover because he's talking to the dictaphone. He's like, I killed Diedrichson. I killed him for money and for a woman. I didn't get the money. I didn't get the woman. (laughs) (laughs) 
one of the fun of seeing these old film noir movies is now living in Los Angeles. And this especially references a lot of actual places and intersections and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So right away, Carla's like, hey, I know where Glendale is. <laughs> <laughs> a whole city. <laughs> and then he's going to, to this really, you know, nice house in the hills uh, in Glendale. And he's like, it, uh, it sold for $30,000. <laughs> and, and Carla's like, whoa, really? I want it to be 1944 again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I actually went to LA for the first time recently and I loved it so much. I felt like it was like Florida and Portland and New York mixed together, which are yeah. like literally my three favorite places. <laughs> so that was the first time you've been to LA? Yeah. Wow. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. I'm excited to go back and see the movie references. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, like I saw this movie as a teenager, not knowing what all these places were. Chinatown, which we're going to be talking about soon, is is similar, you know, but it uses places that I drive by every day, you know. And we live near Glendale yeah. as well. Like, and I actually, the apartment that we used to live in on Winona Boulevard was one block away from Walter Neff's apartment. Isn't that crazy? A building which still stands to this day. Oh my god! His apartment building is on Kingsley, yeah. which was one block over from us. Yeah. And then that scene where he's dropping off Lola for her date with uh, Zacchetti. He's like, "I'm going to take you to Vermont and Franklin." Which, uh, if you're a podcast listener, you might know that as the location of House of Pies <laughs> is on the corner of Vermont and Franklin. The place where he drops her off in the movie is clearly not then or now Vermont and Franklin. No, it was but downtown. That, yeah, it looked downtown. Why did you say if you're a podcast listener, you would know? Because uh, House of Pies comes up a lot on Comedy Bang Bang. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so he meets uh, Phyllis Diedrichson, played by Barbara Stanwyck. She's standing uh, on the uh, the balcony, I believe just wearing a towel. And Carla's like, are you in a towel? <laughs> <laughs> As if she could say no. <laughs> right. As if she would respond. And uh, yeah, right away he says, uh, "That's a honey of an anklet." It's <laughs> a honey of an. It's a honey of an anklet. I, I want to watch the movie again and count every time he mentions the anklet. Yeah, it's a lot. It is yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's a little. little it's like how I counted all the F words in um, Heather's. I counted sixteen and then I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, during that whole suppose you uh, showdown between them, Carla said, I just want to start talking all my sentences with suppose. <laughs> suppose. Starting all my sentences was what I meant. Craig. You said, I just want to start talking all my sentences with suppose. <laughs> I think that <laughs> is a sentence for you. There's... You don't need to write down everything that I say. So they're kind of flirty the first time they see each other. And then he Kinda? gets... Kinda. And then he gets invited back and she's like, uh, oh, let me get you some iced tea. Uh, and she's yelling for the maid and she's like, oh, I forgot it's the maid's day off. <laughs> and Carla said, sneaky lady. <laughs> <laughs> she gives him an iced tea and he's like, I wonder if a little rum would get this off its feet. <laughs> Such a good line. I probably would have put a note but like that, but I did not hear that line. It's a shame. Talking too fast. There's a lot of fast dialogue. I mean, the more times you see this, the more you'll pick up on, yeah. on some of it. But yeah. Another film noir thing. You have to watch it like 50 times until you fully understand it. Yeah. Understand agreed, Eliza. Too. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I just think that's a great thing to say about a non-alcoholic drink of like, just wonder if a little rum would get this off its feet. Yeah. Um, kind of a passive aggressive way of asking for booze too. <laughs> um, and then, you know, when she starts talking about, uh, the, the insurance, the, the accident insurance she's hoping to get for her husband of like, well, how would that work? You know, mm-hmm. uh, what about this? And what about that? Carla said, it's a trap. <laughs> the, <laughs> Going full Admiral Akbar there. The, the notes that uh, I took down in that scene was, let's see. Um, I said, uh, I said, boy, uh, she was, she has a plan. And then later I, I was like, or did she? Cause I was just confused what her motives were. Yeah. So I was just like, what, what? Yeah. I think it's a good point of what you were saying earlier, Eliza, with, with the lady who you don't really know, like you trust and then you don't trust, you know, like that trope of the yeah. femme fatale. Uh, Barbara Stanwyck, by the way, 
not only the highest paid actress in Hollywood at the time of this movie, the highest uh, paid woman in America. <laughs> really? At the time, yes. Wow. Whoa. This was during World War II, of course, that they, they shot this. But yeah, she was the highest paid woman in America. Did she have red hair or blonde hair? She was a brunette, I believe, normally. Oh. But was wearing a blonde wig in this movie. Okay. Interesting. I, uh, I've When watching black and white movies, I like forget. I just assume she's blonde. Yeah. And then like I just assume he has dark hair. Like I don't even question it. When um uh when he was like getting a a blue suit, I was like, is that really blue though? <laughs> it doesn't it look might not blue. have been. Yeah. How do we know? Are you sure that's not green? <laughs> she says, What if I can get the insurance without involving my husband? Carla said, Red flag, red flag. <laughs> And then Carla said, man, they did not waste any time in this movie. It took like 45 minutes in the other one, <laughs> referring to Body Heat, which we had seen before this. Yeah. Uh, which has basically the same plot, but uh, builds it a lot more slowly. It takes a long time to get to it. And then Carla's looking at the back uh, of the uh, of the room in the, in the movie, and she said, are those swords in the background? And I said, yeah, you know that old saying about Chekhov's sword? And Carla said, don't use it. Is that the saying? <laughs> <laughs> so it would be a good saying. <laughs> I think they were um uh not flowers but some sort of decorative floral thing. Okay. Not swords. <laughs> not swords. Uh he he starts referring to his baby like right away. Yeah, not which, cool, dude. Which is really Oh awful. yeah, that creeped me out. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, Okay. Yeah. When he started doing that, I wrote down, uh, uh, you, you legit met like days ago and <laughs> dang boy, she married. <laughs> <laughs> I was writing, I used abbreviations. You dang can't blame boy. me. <laughs> That's a full on Eliza's quote. That, That's is, good. that is not a boy with a B O Y. <laughs> that is a boy with a B O I. Of course. Oh, okay. yeah. Very, very important. Tell, tell me the difference. Uh, it's boy instead of boy. Oh, it's very, it's very important. Got it. Okay, good, 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 good. good I, I speak middle school. Great, <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna start calling Craig boy. <laughs> I'm gonna start calling you baby. <laughs> Do not. Uh, well, Carla said, "Stop calling her baby. You don't know her." <laughs> Let me tell you something, baby. I feel like everything would be avoided if he had just been able to hear you. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Eliza. It's so true. And then I love that he leaves the house and he's like, uh, I went to the, uh, went to the drive through, got myself, <laughs> got myself a beer. You know? <laughs> he's like just sitting in his car drinking a beer that he got from a drive through. And he's like, then I went, went to the bowling alley, rolled a few lines. And Carlos said, he's talking about Coke, isn't he? Craig. <laughs> Cocaine, I mean. Um, <laughs> I go, uh, again, I go to middle school. <laughs> <laughs> what does that where there, mean? Where there's so much cocaine. My middle school is so eager to be a high school. <laughs> like, seriously. <sighs> um, and then Carla said generally about their murder plan, this is not going to go well for him. I mean, we know because he's doing a flashback about how it didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> You could say that about like half of the movies yes. in the world. Yep. <laughs> uh, she uh, she asks him at one point if he uh, if he eats breakfast. I think and he says, "I squeeze a grapefruit every once in a while." <laughs> <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and then he asks Phyllis about. Uh, there's a picture of a girl on the piano, which turns out to be her husband, her stepdaughter, right? Because she's her husband's. Uh, second wife um he says uh who's the girl in the picture uh who's the girl in the picture on the piano and uh she says it's lola she lives there and carla said she lives in the piano <laughs> <laughs> that's just carla being, being a smart ass a little bit <laughs> you're welcome this coffee's really good oh thank you um <laughs> there's a great shot by the way of they they kind of get the husband when he's like tired, you know, uh, from work and he's not really he's he's signing like a renewal on his auto insurance, which is actually the double indemnity clause. Double indemnity, by the way, is uh, I think, as Walter Neff explains in the movie, a come on for insurance agents to offer 
uh, people that it gets double and certain accidents, which are very rare and almost never happen, like an uh, accident on a train, which is exactly how they uh, end up murdering. Yeah, them. whenever the, um, the insurance talk started, um, I wrote, um, what's all this insurance stuff? <laughs> just just anything that came to my mind, I wrote down. It's great. <laughs> if only all our guests did this. <laughs> But uh, in the foreground, there's uh, Fred McMurray and then the husband's kind of absentmindedly signing the contract. And then Barbara Stanwyck's just like just in the middle, kind of like staring straight ahead. And you kind of see it uh, register on her face. How crazy she is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's great. Mm-hmm. You mean she's a good actress? She's a good actress. Uh, Phyllis is a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, there's a close-up on her at one point. Carla said, she's evil. <laughs> she's evil. Uh, I love that the plan is uh, he hides in the back of the car. Yeah. First of all, the husband had an accident at work, so he's on crutches. Um, and so the Fred McMurray, who is like six foot four or something, yeah. is lying in the back seat of this old Definitely tiny car. Definitely realistic. <laughs> Definitely realistic. She pulls out the car. The husband comes in with the, the crutches and no point attempts to like put the crutches in the back seat. He just, he's sitting in the front holding his crutches. Yeah. You know, it's weird. So it's a little far fetched that they could get away with this without him ever noticing that the guy's in the back. Uh, but then, uh, oh, I think this was the she's evil scene. Uh, because while yeah. they pan away from him, <laughs> the murder happens off, uh, screen, right? Because he's snapping the guy's neck. Ugh. Uh, and it's just her face. It's just yeah. a close up on her yeah. while he, uh, while he murders the husband. That, that yeah. was when I said, wow. <laughs> it's it's just, I just got on the edge of my seat and I just looked at it. I was just like, wow. Yeah. It's really creepy. Yeah. And then I wonder if this is the first movie to do the car not starting trick, you know, which right. is like they they kill the husband in the car. Fred McMurray goes on the train, posing as him, wearing the crutches, holding his hat low, you know, mm-hmm. runs into this drunk in the back, convinces that guy to go into the car to get his cigars for him, and then jumps off the back of the train where they uh they put the body that they had already killed as if he had fallen off the the back of Actually the, a pretty good plan. <laughs> <laughs> don't, just no, saying. Stop it. don't think that way eliza just <laughs> saying if there had to be a murder plan <laughs> uh but then they get back in the car trying to get uh trying to get away and of course the car won't start you yep. know uh which is such a a common trope uh in these types of movies. But it was still good. Even yeah. in this one, I was like, uh-oh, what are they going to do? And then, of course, Fred McMurray reaches over, starts right away, and Carla said, obviously, women can't do anything right. <laughs> <laughs> Eliza's wearing a, a feminist shirt. I am Wild also wearing feminist. a necklace that says, feminist AF. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. So maybe that quote doesn't ring true. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, I actually uh, watched the Doctor Who Christmas special yesterday. We did too. As did we. And uh, every time the first Doctor said something eccentric, I yeah. was just like, oh, yeah. yeah. Making comments that like women are made of glass. I was just like, mm, this, keep in mind, this is a guy from a lot of time ago. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. But I like how they uh, were calling it out and like making fun of it. Yeah, I yeah. That was funny. Because that was like what 1964 yeah. when the original Doctor Who was on. Yeah, I, I at think 5, 10 p.m. Like, yeah, <laughs> they got a lot of good comic mileage out of contrasting the first Doctor with. He was uh, like, "You can't say those." I I, I, cri- I cried. You did. Yeah. yeah, I cry really easily in TV. Is Peter Capaldi your Doctor? <laughs> no. Who? Uh, well, okay. Uh, I like Peter Capaldi more than Christopher Eccleston. Okay. Uh, but um. It's a tie between ten and eleven, between David Tennant and Matt Smith. Yeah, I could, I could never choose between them. Yeah, it's like great. I watch a David Tennant episode and I'm like, oh my god, he is the best, and then I watch a Matt Smith episode and it's the same thing. Yeah, they're great. Carly, your favorite is David Tennant, <laughs> but Matt Smith is pretty great. Yeah, but the thing is, like, David Tennant uh, draws that perfect line between like goofy and dark and troubled, mm-hmm. which is like essentially what like the Doctor is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And Matt Smith is just fun. 
to watch. <laughs> My doctor is Peter Capaldi because that's the only one I've seen. <laughs> I started uh, watching it because Carla is addicted to it. My friend and I, uh, my friend who got me into Doctor Who, uh, <laughs> we call him Peter Ka-Eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, because um, her uh, her grandpa uh, called him um, Peter Cabaldi, but we were like, he's not bald. And so like, what is his defining feature? You're like, oh, eyebrows, Peter Ka-Eyebrows. Peter Ka-Eyebrows, yeah. I hope that catches on. Yeah. <laughs> he does have crazy eyebrows. Yeah. Can we talk about a little more about double and <laughs> No, we're talking about Doctor Who. <laughs> One minor character that I like is the president of the ad agency who uh just has this classic ridiculous uh movie mid-Atlantic accent. He's like there there's a there's a feeling sometimes that just because a man has a large office that he must be an idiot. Right. He's like frankly, ma'am, we suspect it was suicide. Uh, and then Barton Keyes has this great speech where he goes off and this guy who's like the, the son of the guy who owns the agency and has never like seen an actuarial table in, in his life. Uh, and it, it's a really fun speech. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I kind of liked our Doctor Who conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Carly, you can start your own Doctor Who fandom podcast. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> and this is where it all began. <laughs> um, there, there's another fun scene where Phyllis is over at Walter's place. They, they, it's starting to unravel a little bit. Keys is starting to suspect them. Uh, actually, no, Keys is over at his place, right? And then Phyllis shows up, hears them having the conversation on the other side of the door, and then hides behind the door while Keys is leaving. Now, first of all, apartment doors do not open out. Apartment doors open in. So uh, that was something that they had to invent. They had to uh, make a, a set to have a door oh, for her to hide yeah. behind. Yeah, that part was both like very clever and also very unrealistic at yes. the same time. <laughs> yes, yes. And then Carla said, bring, 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 bring. Oh, they don't have cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> That's what would happen now yes. if they did that scene now. Her cell phone would go off. Yeah. And you'd yeah. have to be like, Oh, well, that's, uh, that's my, is that, is that you keys or is that me? Well, that's, that's me going off. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like you, Walter. It sounds like that, that ring's coming from behind the door. I'm like, well, I've got an app, uh, that, uh, I've got, I've got a little, like, a, and... uh, I've got a little doorbell on the outside of the door, apparently. <sighs> then, then he starts kind of dating, uh, the daughter, which is weird. You know? It was a weird choice. It pretty, weird choice. pretty messed up. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but he learns that Phyllis, uh, was the mother's nurse mm-hmm. and that probably murdered her yeah. as well. You know, so it's, again, it's similar to the arc of Kathleen Turner's character in Body Heat mm-hmm. where, uh, slowly he starts to find out more and more, uh, about this woman and that he was kind of the fall guy all along. I like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then uh, not a lot of quotes for the back half there, Carla. Did Eliza say anything? What did you say in the bo- the oh, um, back half of the movie? I'll, I'll check my notes. Um, <laughs> ooh, here here's a good one. Uh, um, I only had like two at the at the end. One was a really cool scene at the end. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quote. That was just. <laughs> Uh, with the, with the door, I don't know which scene that is referring to, but it was a cool scene with the door. <laughs> so, probably where she's hiding behind um, the door. Probably, but yeah. I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I really, uh, or th- no, I think it was the doorway at the very end. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite of like all of my written down quote things, uh, is, uh. Serious, seriously, but it's um spelled S R S L Y, and it's circled like fifty times <laughs> in just like bold. Yep. And that was like the last half of the movie summarized for me. Seriously? Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> circled fifty times. Uh, what what do you think that was in reference to? Just in general, the whole the way that it went. I don't know. There's just so many, like, just crazy, crazy, hidden, uh, intricate, yeah, meanings behind everything. Yeah. So I, I think he begins to suspect that, uh, that first of all, they're not going to end up together as a, as a couple, <laughs> no. you know, 
Um, oh, really? <laughs> and that probably, uh, that she, he was the fall guy all along. So he goes to confront her. She shoots him. He shoots her, kills her. Yeah. That was uh, like mid hug. That was, was disturbing. Right there. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. That's probably where I wrote it. Uh, he kind of does a nice thing though, which is there's this guy, Zaketi, who is the, uh, the daughter's boyfriend, who's kind of this sleazy guy, who then starts seeing Phyllis. Uh, but he, and he, at the insurance agency thinks that this is the guy who was involved. He was the, the somebody else, mm-hmm. uh, that Barton Keys suspect. Uh, and so they're going to pin it on Zaketi, and then he kind of like tells that, warns that guy to go back to Lola and get away. You know, so that's actually kind of a good deed that he does. Yeah, like know. he he gets uh, the guy back with Lola, which is like the one good deed. Yeah. yeah. The one sweet thing. Yeah. Apparently in the Kane original novel, uh, they end in double suicide. They commit suicide Ooh. together. Uh, wow. And characters at this time in Hollywood movies were not allowed to commit suicide. So <laughs> they had to change the ending. So the but ending. they can commit murder. They can kill other people. They, they just yeah, can't well, kill themselves. You can commit murder, but you need to be punished for it. You also can't get away with a murder. Uh. So, uh, this was all part of the, <laughs> part of the Hollywood code. Um, that sounds very, very annoying to be making movies <laughs> then. <laughs> Well, it, I mean, that is what's interesting about following a film noir movie and being in the point of view of a criminal the entire time. You know, like these people are murdering someone, mm-hmm. but the whole time you're like, oh, oh, God, are they going to get away with it? You know, like, oh, look out. There's the cops. You know, yeah. uh, like, oh, you better hide over there. You know, which is like that's that's just storytelling of like you can be put inside the head of anyone and you immediately start empathizing with them, you know, in, in spite of your better judgment, you're like, I should not feel for this person, but because you're seeing the whole thing from their point of view, you want them to get away with it. Right. You know? Um, so Wilder and Chandler wrote an ending where, uh, Walter goes to the gas chamber in the last scene. They even shot that scene. They shot a scene of him being led into the gas chamber with keys watching him. But they also wrote this other scene that was not in the cane. The the whole character of keys in the novel was a minor character. He was more of a nebbish and he was more of a coworker. They changed it to be Walter's boss and his mentor and for them to have, and that they wrote the part up a little bit to get Edward G. Robinson to, uh, to do it since, mm-hmm. since he was a big star. And so then they wrote this scene. So you cut back to the beginning of the movie. We're now at the end. Walter is wounded. He's telling the whole story to Keys. Uh, and then finally Keys comes in. He's like, how long you've been standing there? long enough you know mm-hmm. so you heard the whole story and it you just see that it breaks his heart you yeah, know it's great uh and broken the, heart is great <laughs> broken heart is great uh and then walter's still trying to get away but he's weak and he kind of uh collapses in the uh the door frame uh and he's like that elevator they move the elevator a couple miles away yeah that's uh, funny. which is another great line uh and then so it's just like this nice moment between those two characters at the end and then Walter's trying to light his cigarette and he can't and then Keys finally for the first time has a light for him and lights yeah. his cigarette and just kind of goes out on that. And I, they decided that that ending... <gasps> oh, she's crying. <laughs> yeah. They decided that ending was such a sweet and nice moment between those guys that they ended the movie that way and I can't imagine then having a scene of like and now here he goes to his execution yeah, <laughs> like that would just be so like gas chamber I'm guessing is like a way of like punishing people who have killed people by yes. death yes that yeah. sounds morbid I yes, think they pleasant. would just lead them into a room and then fill the room with gas. So I think it's the equivalent of now it's lethal injection, right? Mm-hmm. So you get injected with chemicals and that's supposed to be, uh, more humane, you know, Ugh. but uh, yeah, but, but wow. the, the gas chamber has been outlawed for a while, I believe. That would be a very, very disturbing ending. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think the ending could get more disturbing. <laughs> yeah. And, and Keys also has a great line where he's like, uh, I didn't know the, uh, the guy was, uh, right across the desk from me. And, and Keys says, closer than that, Walter. Yeah. With, he was saying, like, I think you said it wrong. Say it again. Yeah. 
<laughs> you didn't know. He was saying that he didn't realize that he was the murderer the whole time. Yes. And so he says, you didn't know that the guy who did it was was right across the desk from you or was yeah. as close as right across the desk or something yeah. like that. And yeah. And then he responds closer than that. Closer which than means that, like, you're my friend. How yeah. could you do this? But yeah. it was also like so sweet because obviously like – like, uh, his heart was like broken. Yeah. Both of their hearts are broken. Yeah. But like, he didn't like yell or get mad. He sort of recognized that it was Walter's kind of like final moments. Yeah. And so he kind of just gave in. Yeah. I agree. It was very sweet. One of the, one of the better endings of any of your movies, Craig. Really? Yeah. I think well, so. Uh, I loved the ending. Nice. You want to give us a letter grade, Carly? I'm going to give it an A. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. I liked it a lot. I'm glad that you liked it. What, yeah. What What in particular do you think? Just uh, uh, the performances? Awesome sweat and cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's there's, what the A stands there's for. There's Carla's blurb. All uh, right. No, the performances were great. The writing was great. It was paced well. I wasn't yeah. bored. It was good. Okay. The good. Great ending. Great ending. Eliza, letter grade. Uh, I don't know. Like... uh. Either a B plus or an A minus, because nice. like I liked it more than like the average movie, but it wasn't like in my like top five or anything. <laughs> cool. Not uh, yeah. not totally up your alley of the kind yeah, of thing that you but, watch normally, but yeah. I don't know. Like I I appreciate <laughs> movies a lot that um that you know you don't expect that are different and have those like characters that you don't really know what to think about them and you have to make up your mind about the story and you're not being like you're not being told what to think Mm -hmm. uh and i don't know like that movie definitely was that yeah cool thank you so much for watching it by the way uh you want to improvise a little scene real quick sure so this is uh phyllis and walter for some reason, go to the go to a grocery store in Los Feliz, I think. <laughs> yeah, very, uh, to, very subtle. To, yeah, <laughs> and they're trying to be like really, uh, really coy about it. Where like they're walking down different aisles and then, uh, kind of mumbling to each other about the murder plot and everything. So, uh, we'll we'll play them trying to plan the murder. And I think at one point they get interrupted by a woman who's like, sir, can you tell me how much these bees are or whatever? Uh, so you could be her or any other customer or just people interrupting us. Okay. Okay. You can play multiple characters <laughs> you if can you want. You can play multiple okay. characters if okay. you want to or whatever you want. Walter, I've missed you so much. Uh, I've missed you too, baby. Oh, stop calling me baby. I'm oh, like, sorry, baby. I'm, it's uh, sorry, know. sorry. You're talking about babies. Do you know how much these diapers are? Do you think you could you could get those for me? They're right behind you, kind of blocking uh, sure, my view. Sure, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm tall. I have no problem. Walter, every time yeah, you say baby, somebody comes around and asks about the diapers. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much. There you go. Yeah, there you go. There's those diapers you wanted. Okay, so uh, what? Uh, what? What are the plans? What? what the, well, plans, we have very sweetie? intricate plans, sweetie. I'm trying something new. Honey. You like honey? Yes. Okay. Sorry, uh you're you're talking about honey. Do you think do you think I could have some like yes. sorry, there uh, I can't yes, I can't no really problem. You want this honey? Yeah, yeah, mm, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you very much. No you're in the shape of a yeah. bear? Sure. Yeah, you didn't my favorite kind. You didn't see us. We didn't, we weren't talking. Yeah. Sorry, you you were yeah, you were talking about something. Are you, are you guys like, are you dating or? Uh, no, we, no, we, we don't know each other. Each other. We're, I'm, I'm a married woman. We just ran into each other. I'm a married w- woman who we, we oh, killed, we that's... killed my husband. We killed him. We Whoa, killed my wow. husband. Why are you okay. saying that, baby? Okay. Stop calling me baby. <laughs> okay. Um, but don't well, tell anyone. All right? Okay. Bye guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and see yeah <laughs> Eliza that was awesome that was <laughs> she awesome. was great you were great uh, couldn't have gone better I, I <laughs> she love picked up on honey picked right up away on honey. that was so great that was so good yeah uh, Eliza anything you want to promote <laughs> 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 your 13th birthday coming up um, <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you looking forward to in the new year um Doctor Who. Okay. Yeah. When, Lots does the, of when does the actual season start? I I don't know. I I, I don't want to look because I've it's going to be too far away, and then yeah. I will be crushed. I'll be like, what? I have to wait that long. And who's the actress? 
Jody Jody Whitaker, right? I don't know how to pronounce it, but I know how to spell it. I think that was a crazy ending. So exciting! Like um, one morning, uh, it was the it was the day that like it was supposed to be released. Who the new Doctor was going to be, and like uh, I had all my Doctor Who fan accounts like on. post like notifications oh my gosh so, so like great. i looked and i was just like awesome yeah and i went and woke up my mom <laughs> yep <laughs> it's pretty cool uh well you were an awesome guest and thank you, you were so much thank for, you thank you for doing this. i loved all thank of you your, for having me all of your observations uh on the <laughs> you movie sounded were, way were, smarter than i did and me too <laughs> yes you were totally on point with way more prepared than i was <laughs> Well, Eliza, if you want to follow along with Craigslist, next week we are covering a movie that, not quite a film noir, but it's in the run of these other film noirs, so I'm kind of including it in there because it's set in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. during that era, Mm -hmm. and it's got some noir-y elements to it. Okay. And this is the first of two movies on Craigslist by the famous filmmaking duo the cohen brothers mm. so uh this movie was made in 1991 it stars john Turturro, john goodman johnny uh, good john mahoney johnny mahoney johnny Turturro. <laughs> so, so many johnnies in this movie uh and it's called barton fink Ooh. and it's rated r we're going to see a rated R movie next week. Barton Fink. Barton <laughs> Fink. Do you know that reference? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Craig's listeners, we'll see you then. And we're going to have a guest for that one. A return guest. A return guest. So please tune in for Barton Fink. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>